Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Lane Parrish stood in the doorway of the Firehouse Restaurant in South Fork. He shook snow from the shoulders of his jacket and then ran a hand to smooth the moisture out of his short, blonde hair. A shudder pulsed through him as some snow trickled down the back of his shirt. He didn't normally let the cold bother him, but this winter at 8,000 feet in southwest Colorado had been brutal. Day after day of below-zero weather could wear on anyone eventually. Were it not for the abundance of fresh powder at nearby Wolf Creek Ski Area, he might have stayed closer to Denver. But since his ski days were few and far between, he had to take his chances when he could. Three-year-old Cameron wasn't old enough to learn to ski yet. Next winter, though, he'd have that little one on the slopes working the french fries and pizza. Only a matter of time until she was a better skier than him, or, God forbid, a snowboarder. A server marched up to him, a curvy woman with bright red lips and a smile that looked like someone had plastered it on her face for the duration of her dinner shift. One? Lane nodded. Table, please. No booth. She guided him toward a table in the middle of the room. The firehouse was a barn-like, country-cooking sort of establishment, with pizzas and burgers and a smattering of beers. A selection of flags of various college sports teams adorned the wood panel walls. All the colors of the rainbow. An array of televisions broadcasted a bowl game to the alternating cheers and jeers of everyone present. Lane didn't care too much about college ball, but he would watch a game if it were the best thing on TV at the moment. He sat and picked up a laminated menu from between the ketchup and mustard dispenser bottles. Stomach grumbling, his brain told him anything would be fine, but his stomach wanted it all. He'd nearly settled on a grilled chicken sandwich when the chicken fried steak jumped out at him. Bobby? said a nearby male voice, interrupting his conversation. Bobby Mayfield? Lane looked up to see a man, late thirties, brush-cut brown hair and light green eyes, standing a couple feet away from his table, mouth open, slack-jawed, eyes intently studying Lane from above. The man, with no invitation from Lane, approached, pulled out the chair opposite, and had a seat. He leaned forward with his elbows on the table. Bug eyes stared at Lane, pupils boring into him. Holy shit, it's you, isn't it? Lane hesitated before shaking his head. In a decade's worth of service to Daphne Keurig's espionage agency, he'd worn many faces. There were dozens, or maybe hundreds, of people around the globe who knew his face by a different name. But as far as Lane could remember, he'd never gone by the moniker of Bobby Mayfield. Sorry, Lane said. Can't help you. Name's not Bobby. The man twisted his head in disbelief, raising an eyebrow at Lane. Are you for real? You're telling me you're not Bobby. Nope. Mistaken identity, man. The man's look changed from one of incredulity to one of guilt. Oh, wow, I am so, so sorry. I've barged in on you while you were trying to eat dinner and disrupted your whole flow. The man reached across the table and extended a hand. Rennie James. Some people call me Jimmy because of the last name, but I prefer Rennie if I'm being honest. I have a cousin named Jimmy. Jimmy James. You can imagine how much he was harassed in school. Lane gawked at the hand for a moment, then shook it. Lane Parrish. You'll have to forgive me, Lane. I'm just passing through on my way to Durango, and I stopped here for a bite to eat. You can imagine my surprise, thinking of all the luck running into Bobby M. right here in some tiny little gas food lodging stop on the highway, right? 
I thought I had experienced a kind of divine intervention in the middle of this podunk town. Lane breathed, taking in the man's mannerisms and appearance. One knee bouncing underneath the table, hands fidgeting with the glass salt shaker on the table, passing it back and forth. Back and forth. Given his vibrating nature, Lane might have assumed meth head or junkie in need of a fix. But his eyes were bright and not bloodshot. No bags colored the space under his eyes. Lane concluded the guy probably had some sort of anxiety disorder, but the intensity of his stare somehow relaxed Lane, which was the strangest part. No divine intervention, Rennie. Just one of those freak coincidences, I guess. Got a twin you might have been separated from at birth? Hospital mix-up, like in a soap opera? There's got to be something more than coincidence going on here. Lane shook his head. I don't think so. Rennie scrunched his brow and sighed down at the salt shaker, sliding back and forth across the table, two inches in each direction as it passed from his left hand to his right. Back and forth, back and forth, always constant. Do you believe in destiny, Lane? Each time the salt shaker moved, the glass container made a small shuffling sound across the wood of the table, over and over once per second. The relentless sound faded into Lane's ears like part of the ambient noise of the room. Lane grew a little dizzy, and then a deep sense of calm came over him. The salt shaker moved back and forth, back and forth, each pass coming once every second. Hmm, he said. Destiny, Lane. Look up at me. Lane did as he was told, his eyes meeting Rennie's. Green eyes like algae floating in a calm pond. His eyes appeared to be spinning slightly in time with the salt shaker's movement. Yes, Lane said. Destiny. Do you believe in it? Sure, Lane said, if you say so. Rennie nodded. Good, good. You do believe in destiny, Lane. There's something outside in my car I'd like you to see. Do you think you could come with me? It'll only take a couple of minutes, and then I'll have you right back here. The salt shaker passed back and forth. Lane took it a deep breath, feeling it cleanse him like hot springs. Yeah, I can do that. Maintaining eye contact, Rennie stood and put a hand under Lane's elbow to help him up from the table. He pointed toward the door as Lane found his body to be unnaturally heavy. He let Rennie escort him out the front door. When they stepped outside, Lane realized he left his coat behind because the winter chill seeped in through his shirt immediately, biting cold, gripping the exposed flesh of his neck and hands. Still, it didn't bother him as it had a few minutes before when he'd been outside. This way, Rennie said, pulling on Lane's elbow to turn him. I parked around the back. The gravel of the parking lot crunched underneath their feet as Rennie pointed him toward the unlit back area behind the restaurant. Lane smelled the garbage bin full of discarded food and grease as they rounded the restaurant. The smell, while objectively foul, didn't bother him. Right over here, Rennie said. It's not much further at all, just a few more steps. When it happened, Lane knew it was coming. He heard the dashing of feet behind him, someone running across the gravel parking lot, sprinting to come up behind them, little rocks crunching and shuffling. Lane spun and launched a right hook at the attacker's face at the exact moment he was reaching into his pocket to draw a knife. The man met Lane's fist and his inertia made him skitter in the gravel and then thump backward, his head smacking against a patch of ice eyes instantly shut from his violent descent to the ground. 
Lane whirled on Rennie, who was trying to back up with his hands raised. We just wanted money, Lane. No big deal. Really, no big deal. Lane leaped forward and jabbed Rennie in the mouth with a closed fist. You think you're the first person to try to hypnotize me? Rennie staggered back from the punch, a dribble of blood coming from his mouth. He spat a tooth on the ground, panting, hands up, ready to launch an attack. The sneak attacker started to recover, so Lane shifted a step to the side, making the three of them form a triangle. The man on the ground did not try to stand. Instead, he massaged his jaw. Rennie leaned over, grunting, spitting more blood on the ground. Salt shaker, Lane said, musing. I've never seen that one before. Rennie burst into tears as he stood up and staggered back a step, looking woozy. I'm so sorry. We saw you drive up. You have a nice car, so we figured you were an easy mark. It's always worked before. Maybe next time you'll put a little more thought into it. Lane pointed to a rusted truck parked underneath the busted streetlight at the side of the parking lot. Is that your car? Rennie nodded. Then I suggest then I suggest you both get in and leave South Fork. You're not welcome here. If I see that car again, I'm going to call the sheriff and have you arrested. Do you understand? Rennie and his partner looked at each other but opted not to open their mouths. And with that, Lane turned and returned to the restaurant so he could order his dinner. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.